Gitin daf mem gimel amud bet and mem dalad amud aleph. Responsibility is a privilege. Tfisah besafeka b'macharav do laakum. We're dealing with an amazing piece of Gemara that's going to teach us that responsibility is not a burden. Responsibility is an enormous privilege, and it impacts the stature of the person who, who carries it. Uh, it's not just a job. It's not just a duty. It actually affects the the, the stature of, of the individual. Uh, the the sugi is based on the Mishnah and Daf Mem Gimel Amud Bet Hamocher Avdol of Deko Chavim Ola Chutzlaz Yatzabin Chorin. There's a knas of the Rabbonin. The Rabbonin institute a fine, so to say, on an individual who sells his Evet Knani to a non-Jew or to somebody who takes him to Chutzlaz. Why? Explains Rashi. Um, in this case, that consino toliftoto, the knas is ho ilve hifkiom hifkiom mina mitzvot, because he has removed him from a body of mitzvahs. The Eved Kanani is chayev with the, uh, the the mitzvot that a woman is obligated, so he has he has a, a body of halachot attached to him, and when he goes and he is now working for a non-Jew, the non-Jew is not going to facilitate him keeping these these mitzvot, and so he's out of the realm of these halachot, because here also he takes him to chutzlaretz, and there are certain halachot that apply in Eretz Yisrael which don't apply in, in chutzlaretz. So you, you, you're removing the person, and we learned this in, in the Dorim, in, 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 in Masech Tenozir, that when a person takes on a body of, an additional body of halachot, that adds to his kedushah. There's a correlation between the halachot that govern a person or an individual or a situation. And the kedushah, Shabbos has more kedushah than, than, than the days of the week because there are more halachot attached to it. And Nozir has more kedushah than an ordinary person, a Kohen, more than a Yisroel, a Jew, more than a non-Jew. Whenever there's a body of halachot, there, there is an increase in in Kedusha. And here we begin to see this impact of responsibility, that when I'm responsible for a body of halachas, with that comes a different being. It's not the same human being, a Kohen and a Yisrael, a Yisrael and an Akum, a Ben Eret Yisrael and a Ben Chutzlat. When we're in Yisrael, there's a body of halachot that apply to us, that don't apply to us in Chutzlat. All of these change the stature and the status of the individual concerned because of the additional body of halachot that govern him. And by sending this Evet Knani into a non into non-Jewish ownership or into Chutzrats, we're reducing the amount, the number of halachot, the body of halachot that apply to him, and therefore we're reducing the the Kedusha. Boy Rabbi Yirmi, Rabbi Yirmi Daf Mem Dalid. A whole lot of questions. What happens if you sell him for only 30 days? If you sell him and you say, but he's not for work, you can't work him on Shabbos or anything, I'm just selling him to you to, you can breed slaves with him, but um, I'm not selling him for work. All of these cases where you're not really selling him into a permanent situation of fewer mitzvot, does this knas still apply? And the Gemara leaves it as a question. The Rambam quotes all of these cases in, in the Gemara and asks what happens... If the Eved was tofes, he grabbed the amount of money needed to buy his freedom. So there's a class that the, the Rebbe, the owner, is supposed to redeem him. Let's say it costs him $100,000 to redeem him. And he didn't redeem him, he wasn't redeeming him. And in these cases here, where there's a sofa, because the Gemara doesn't resolve the cases. So in these cases where he's giving restricted sale to the non-Jew or to Chutzlaret, uh, so now we're in a Sophic, the Gemara hasn't clarified. Does the Knast still apply? Is he still obligated to, to redeem the slave or not? 
And once he's redeemed the slave, the slave goes free. So he doesn't, he loses on both sides. He has to pay to, to he has to pay the non-Jew to buy the slave back. And then he's going to let the slave free. Does that apply in these cases that the Gemara quotes of restricted sales? Gemara doesn't, doesn't clarify. Says the Rambam, since it's a case of Sophic, if he grabbed the amount of money that the, the owner should be paying, he grabbed that 100,000 to buy his own freedom. He doesn't have to repay that because really the owner was supposed to do it. Or at least there was a sofek. And, and the din is that if a, there is a sofek, there's a doubt whether or not a person is entitled to a certain amount of money from another individual. And so based in can't enforce it because we're not sure. But the individual grabs the money. We don't, we don't make him repay the money that he's grabbed. We leave the money wherever it is. If, it, if the first person hasn't paid what he might have to pay, we don't force him to pay. If the second person grabbed what he believes he was entitled to be paid, we don't take it back from him. We just leave the status quo as it is. Says the Ravid, Very important comment that the Ravid makes. Why are we talking about Tfisa here? There, there has been no monetary damage to the slave. You've sold, sold, sold him to a non-Jew. You haven't broken his arm. You haven't cut off his leg. You've sold him to a non-Jew. So there's certain halachas as a result of that. But where there isn't visible damage for which the aggrieved is grabbing the money he's entitled to, at least, or he believes he's entitled to, if there isn't visible damage, the principle of tfisa doesn't apply. You can't grab and then say, I've grabbed and, and, and I'm entitled to it. You can only do that when the money is there to compensate you for visible damage. But in this case, it's not compensation for visible damage. Says the Migdalos. The Migdalos is probably the first parish on the Rambam. Migdalos was the Talmud of the Rashbo. It was a Chavrusa of the Ritvo. So one of the Rishonim from Spain writes on the Rambam. Uh, and he brings, I've never seen a greater damage to an individual than this damage which the owner caused the slave. And you can see, it's very obvious, it's very visible. Firstly, he says, the, the non-Jewish slave owner is not governed by the laws of the Torah or the morality of the Torah. And in those days, slave ownership was seen as a right. And, and you owned the slave and you could torture the slave and do what you wanted. So the slave was in for a terrible time, uh, having been sold to a non-Jew. How can you say there's no damage? If he was sold to a Jew, he would have been treated according to the laws of the Torah. Now he's being sold to a guy, he's going to be treated really badly. And you're taking the mitzvahs away from him. Which is more than monetary damage. Interesting Migdalos. That the, the spiritual damage of, of removing this body of halachot from an individual is more harmful and more damaging than any physical monetary damage could possibly be. That's the reason for the knas. You see how serious it is. So the Migdalos says, says the knas is because you've damaged him. You've damaged him by removing him from the mitzvot. In the case of Mishnah, the Mechaber of the Shulchan Aruch brings the Migdalos, and he also says on the on the Ravid, Kosova Ravid, Ein Biknasot Fisamu Elat Bemishich Sarom Amon, the Ein Bidvarav Echreya. It's not necessarily so. Vafilu Lufid Varav, and even if we do hold by what the Ravid says, even if we agree with the Ravid that there's no Tfisa, you can't grab money if you haven't been wronged 
physically and visibly, even if we agree with that principle. As the Migdalos says, there's no greater damage than this. So we have a Machlikis Rambam and Rivet here, as, as, and the Migdalos. Migdalos usually goes to the defense of the Rambam against the Rivet. That's his, that's his style. And he can be quite aggressive in his defense of the, of the Rambam. Uh, and, and here he, he claims, why, why does the Rivet say that there's no physical, because there's no physical damage, there's no Tfisa, says the Migdalos, there is physical damage. There's physical damage in how the owner is going to treat him. And the loss of mitzvot is also is worse than physical damage. Big Hiddish of the, of the Migdalos. And thereby he explains the Rambam. There's a beautiful piece by Rabdovid Pavaski. Rabdovid Pavaski is an underrated Godel Hador. He died not, not long ago. He was a Rosh Hashiva in, in Ponovish in Bnei Brak. But before that, he was already a Godel in Eastern Europe. Uh, he learned with, with Rabbi Sezalman Meltzer in, in Slotsk, and he learned in Mir, and he was a Talmud in, in Rabbi Chonon Wasserman's yeshiva. He was a, and he taught in Eastern Europe. By the time he came to Israel in the 1940s, he was already a Godel Ador. And he was teaching in a little cheder in Bnei Brak, a Chabad cheder, until the Ponovish found him and put him into the, as a Rosh Yeshiva of Ponovish, together with Rav Shach and Rabbi Shmuel Rozovsky. But I think the reason that he was underrated, and I heard Shirim, I knew Rabdovid Pavarsky, and I I know his son, Rabberil Pavarsky, and I heard Shirim from all of them at that time. Imagine this this group of people at Ponovich Yeshiva, Rabdovid Pavarsky, and Rav Shach, and Shmuel Rozovsky. And when Rav Shach and Shmuel gave Shirim, they were masterpieces. You were in awe. They They were works of such art. Uh, especially Reb Shmuel had a brilliant delivery. Reb Shach, it was the intellectual brilliance. Reb Shmuel Rozovsky was the intellectual brilliance and masterful delivery. You sat on the edge of your seat, you couldn't move until he'd finished the shir. But Reb Dovid Pavarsky was different. He would just learn through the Gomorrah and make comments, unbelievably insightful comments. Uh, on this, in the style of Rebbe Chonon Vassaman, which was also the style of my cousin, Rebbe Leib Gruvitz, Rosh Hashiva of, of Gates, it was also a Talmud of Rebbe Chonon Vassaman, had the same style. He would learn through the Gemara and make these short, incredibly insightful comments. And on this piece of Gemara, he has, he has a beautiful piece. I've printed out almost the, the whole of it for people who want to go through it and have it available. But what, the way he resolves, he goes through with some questions and answers. And in the end, he says, the Machlokes Rambam and Raivad is about whether the Eved is a Baldin. Does he have a claim here? What is this Knas about? Is the Knas because the Eved has been wronged, in which case the Eved has a claim? Or is this a different kind of a Knas? And he says, according to the Magid, according to the Ravid, this is a different kind of a Knesset altogether. The Evid is not a Baldin. The Evid has no claim. This is not compensation to him. This is something completely different. According to the Rambam, the Evid has been damaged, as the case of Mishnah explains, the Migdalos explain, the Evid has been damaged more severely than physical and visible damage. According to the Ravid, it's not physical and it's not visible. And the reason for the Knas is not to compensate the Eved. The Eved is not a Baldin. That's the Chidush of David Pavaski, that that's the Machlekes Rambam and Raivad, as explained by the Migdalos and the, and the Kesef Mishnah. What I want to just touch on briefly is, so, so what is the Knas? So normally, who gets the Knas? Kefel is a Knas. You steal from somebody and you found out and you've got to pay double. The, the double payment, the extra pay, you've got to pay the Karen, which is compensation. I stole $100, I pay back $100, and then I have to pay an additional $100. That's Knas. Who gets the Knas? 
The aggrieved person gets the knas. It doesn't go into the state coffers. It goes to the aggrieved person. Dalad vehev. In the case of an ox damaging, or in the in the case of uh, of, of the knas of a, of of a mefuto, all the knosos in the Torah go to the aggrieved person. What about this knas here? The the ever doesn't get it, and he's he has. It's true that the owner has to buy the freedom of the slave. But there's no payment to the slave, and the slave can't claim it in Beisdin. This is not, he's not a Baldin. So who is the Baldin? What is the nature of this? It's a, it's a Darabon, it's a Knast Darabon, but what is the nature of the Knast? So I explained to you that when you take away the a body of Halachot from an individual or from a thing, you're reducing its level of Kedusha. Uh, and, and we had that even, it's interesting, those of you who learned Bechorus with me year, several years ago will remember in the case of selling an animal to a Goy. Uh, and the concern that the Dinei Shabbos won't apply anymore to the animal. That a, a Jew is Mitzvah B'Shvitat Behemto B'Shabbos. There are halachas that apply to your animal as well on Shabbos. If you sell the animal to a goy, those halachas are removed. So what's so wrong with that? And we learned at that time, you're reducing the level of Kedusha attached to this particular shore. But it goes further than that. When you reduce the level of Kedusha from an individual or from a specific object, you're not only reducing Kedusha from that person and from that object, you're reducing the amount of Kedusha in the world. You're reducing the amount of Kedusha in the Jewish people. You're taking an Evid Kanani and there's some halachot attached to him. So he's in, there's a body of Kedusha, there's a level of Kedusha attached to him even as an Evid Kanani and you sell him to a non-Jew, those halachot fall away, and you've removed some of the kedusha attached to the Jewish people. You've diminished the level of kedusha attached to the Jewish people. And there's a lot in, in Kabbalah, Rav Kuk writes a lot about it also, in, in, in how when a person is, is developing his own level of kedusha, whether it's through the keeping of the mitzvot, through struggling with his yetzahara, with, with connecting his seichel, his intellect, to his koach hadimyon, to his emotional capacity and developing it properly, whatever it is that a person is doing to elevate his own level of kedusha, it's not only his own level of kedusha that he's elevating. He's elevating the kedusha of the people around him. We need to understand our connectedness to the people around us. And depending on us, I've spoken often about some of the scientific work that's been done there and the emotional connections between us and the people we know, the people we bonded with, and sometimes even very directly. Our moods can affect the people around us, even if they don't have direct sight of us. And certainly our level of kudusha. So when we are mindful of the halachot that govern us, when we, are, when we are intentional about learning the halachot and understanding the halachot and observing the halachot, it's not just our own kudusha that becomes reinforced and strengthened. We radiate a, a level of kudusha to the people around us and to the world around us. And we to know, need to know that as Jewish people, that's perhaps, perhaps our key tafkid in the world, is to increase the kudusha in the world. To make the world a better place because of the kudusha we bring into the world. And we bring that kudusha into the world not through any kind of mystical activity, just through the observance of the body of halachot that attaches to us in all the various different situations in which we as Jews find ourselves.